All right, Detroit sports bettors, welcome back to another edition of the Detroit sports bettors podcast. The NFL is officially over with the conclusion of Super Bowl 56 as Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams took home the Lombardi Trophy for the second time in the history of the Rams franchise. The first time, if you can recall, was with Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, and the greatest show on turf. If you can uh, remember, back to 1999, they faced off against Stet. Tennessee Titans team with Steve McNair and Eddie George, and that game actually ended on the one-yard line. Crazy Super Bowl is actually one of the first Super Bowls I actually can recall watching as a kid, and uh, that was one of them that really made me fall in love with football on that greatest show on turf team. So always, uh, always have loved the Rams. Love that they went out and got another Super Bowl. You know, and of course, you know, I'm not the only one, but I did have that 16 to one Rams Super Bowl future shout out. Did not hedge that just because. I was really, really confident in the Rams going into that one. I, you know, when uh, I make a stance on something, I tend to stand pretty firm on it. And with the Cincinnati Bengals, I just thought they needed a little more time. And once again, I think that offensive line showed that. But now that the NFL is over, we will definitely be shifting to the NBA. You guys know I love talking about the NBA. Uh, but we will also be talking about UFC. You know, we have some great UFC cards coming up. And some other things that we're going to have to do in this podcast is add in some current events because we're going to be talking about the NBA. And if there's not a UFC card at the end of the week, it is tougher to predict NBA games because, as you know, players, you know, drop out just for rest days randomly. So the player will stub their toe. You know, spreads change very often. So the podcast will change a little bit just in terms of some current events, but I am always going to do everything I can to highlight specific picks and plays for the Detroit sports betters community. Okay. With that being said, we do have the all-star game this weekend. I'm definitely going to talk about the all-star game, the three-point contest, the all-star game MVP, the dunk contest winner, and even the celebrity all-star game MVP. Okay. So with that being said, let's get right into it. But before we do, got to talk about our proud partner in DraftKings Sportsbook because Hoops fans, The latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw cash whenever you want. Right now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code DSB. And bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. Again, that's promo code DSB at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Help Hotline at 800-270-270. 7117 21 plus Michigan only minimum $5 deposit. 
And as always, eligibility and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Yes, sir. Proud partner of Detroit Sports Betters. But getting back into Super Bowl 56. If you guys can recall, you know, um, gave out a ton of prop bets and we're going to go over those as well because it was a pretty successful prop day for us as well. And it would have been even better if Odell Beckham Jr. did not tear his ACL. Because if you guys can recall from the Super Bowl 56 podcast, that game started very similar to what we talked about. You know, the Rams getting up early and the Rams kind of moving the football down the field, the Bengals getting shocked by the Rams defense. And that's exactly what was occurring. That's exactly what was occurring. And then Matthew Stafford. And I, I mean, it's it sucks because he did throw it behind Odell Beckham Jr. If, if that ball is out in front, Odell probably catches it and keeps running. And he still probably got his knee right now. And I'm sure that's not what they think about. But Matthew Stafford threw it a little bit behind Odell Beckham Jr., Odell sticks his foot in the ground, you know, um, the turf, a lot of the athletes are saying for the ban of turf because it is, it's different. That's not a jolt that your knee or joints are supposed to take because you got to think when you're sticking your foot in grass, your foot's going to slide with the grass. There's going to be some give to that. If you've played on turf, like actual field turf, like the greatest show on turf St. Louis Rams had and stuff like that, or, or how they had it at the, the Pontiac Silverdome. Okay, that's very different because you can just stick your foot in the ground and there's not a ton of give. So it is. It is dangerous for the athletes. And we're talking about the best athletes in the world who have more force than the average human when they put that foot in that ground or when they cut their burst, everything like that. So yeah, I I 100% agree with a lot of the athletes when they talk about the field turf, when they talk about the dangers of the field turf. And it's some of the top guys talking out about it, like Debo Samuel, who is one of the fastest, one of the quickest, you know, sticking that foot in the ground and cutting. It sounds like a lot of these athletes are scared. And with the NFL, the number one investment that they always do where they always look to is within their own players. So I do think this is something that definitely needs to be evaluated. I think it's something that could you could easily do studies on to see what has happened throughout the NFL or how many torn ACLs there have been in field turf stadiums in comparison to grass stadiums. I don't think that's that difficult. And, you know, it is another one of those things where I'm sure it's easier to have field turf rather than people coming in, taking care of the field, mowing it, you know, um, painting the lines, everything like that. They're just trying to make it more simplistic. But the number one thing is the protection of your investment within the NFL. The owners will tell you the same thing. And that's what the players are. The players are an investment for your future. So I would imagine they want to protect that. So I'm going to be interested to see if they do make any changes for this going forward. But back to back to when Odell Beckham Jr. went down, because I personally thought that was the worst possible scenario. I mean, there's three, really. And that would be obviously Matthew Stafford going down. If that happens, it's just done. Cooper Cup going down. If that happened, they probably would for sure be done. And then Odell Beckham Jr. is not as drastic at Cooper Cup, as Cooper Cup, but there's so many things that Odell does to help Matthew Stafford, to help Cooper Cup. You know, like we talked about, I was saying that I felt like Cooper Cup would get bracketed the entire game, and that would give Odell Beckham Jr. plenty of opportunities, opportunities down the field, which it was. It was there. Odell Beckham Jr. was absolutely dominating before he went down, and 
when Odell went down, that shifted a lot of things and it made more focus on Cooper Cup. And it took a lot of adjustments from Matthew Stafford, took a lot of adjustments from head coach Sean McVay and even Cooper Cup himself. I'm sure they gave him a lot of option routes because there's not many receivers like Cooper Cup on the field who can play almost like a quarterback. He can read the defenses like a quarterback. And when you give him that ability and you give him that option and you're vice like that, there's a guy over top in bracket coverage, there still will be areas that can be open on the field. They're going to try and force you to one side, I'm sure. But when you have option routes like that and you have two players who have been working together every single day since summer, watching film, you know, breaking down route trees, things like that. You know, um, it does. It gives you more options and it gives someone like Cooper Cup more ability. But, you know, hats off to him even more for putting that time in, for, you know, studying and doing the things necessary. So when you're put in that situation and you're put in a situation where you have potential to succeed, they both harnessed it. Matthew Stafford harnessed it and Cooper Cup. But, you know, even more so Cooper Cup because he made the plays necessary. I know Matthew Stafford had that sick no-look pass you know, essentially with the game on the line. But uh, Cooper Cup was the one who really found himself a way to get open. But it was those two. It was those two. You know, when Odell Beckham Jr. went down, Stafford and Cup had to put that team on their back, as well as the defense. Don't think for a second I am not thinking about that defense because they stood up as well. But we talked about that. We talked about that. I was I was saying, you know, the Raiders, Titans, and Chiefs are nothing close to the L.A. Rams defense. They are just a different animal. Aaron Donald coming through that middle. You know, that guy was getting double and even triple coverage. And leaving Von Miller on the outside, that guy is so damn fast coming off the edge. They're just, they're very, very tough. Uh, I One thing I was somewhat surprised was I didn't think Jalen Ramsey played that good of a football game. You know, yes, t- the T. Higgins thing, uh, he did twist the helmet a little bit, you know. Um, I do understand that, but still, I didn't think Jalen Ramsey played like an exceptional football game, but again, he plays it different than guys more so in the past, like maybe Richard Sherman or someone like that. You know, Jalen Ramsey plays every single game more like a Darrell Revis. He will follow you throughout the field. He will follow your best receiver. He will be on an island. And that's why someone like Richard Sherman kind of always bugged me and I've never really taken to him. Just because he never went on an island or anything like that. Very, very good in what he did with the system with the Seattle Seahawks. Because he's a big corner. That's why he would get so many deflections and tip passes. That's why he could come up and help in the run game. Because he's a big corner. you know. But there was a reason Earl Thomas was on his side. you know. Um, they had Brandon Browner on the other side. who was another big physical corner. And a Cam Chancellor behind that. So, you know, it was a very, very good secondary. And, God, that just drives me nuts when Richard Sherman speaks up like that and talks about, like, Matthew Stafford and his Hall of Fame career. And don't get me wrong. I personally don't – I'm on the fence about Matthew Stafford being in the Hall of Fame right now. But there's plenty of time left. Why are we talking about this right now? And Richard Sherman wants to go and talk shit about Matthew Stafford when Richard Sherman – was was on the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, he played one side of the field, was more of a system – 
cornerback. He he goes to San Francisco and he goes to Tampa Bay. He had one good season at San Francisco, I will say that. But San Francisco wants again a great defense where you can put plug a system a system corner in. I'm not saying Richard Sherman is bad or anything like that, but he's not Deion Sanders. He's not Darrell Rivas. He's not Jalen Ramsey. He's not what he says, will he make the Pro Bowl? Probably just because he was such a key or Pro Bowl. Will he make the Hall of Fame? Probably because he was on such a key piece in a historically great defense and a historically great team. You know, that defense was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. The secondary was amazing. They had some good pass rushers. Um, you know, they were just a very, very good team, and he was a key staple in that. But, God, that drives me nuts when I see that name speaking up about Matthew Stafford in the Hall of Fame. But back to the game, back to the game, because when uh, when Odell Beckham Jr. went down and Matthew Stafford had to step up and Cooper Cup had to step up, you you witnessed very fast how Van Jefferson was not even close to Odell Beckham Jr. Van Jefferson has some work to do. Nice third piece, nice guy who can stretch the field, get a couple grabs over 15, 20 yards. He's very good at that. But you know, with the loss to Robert Woods, their wide receiving core was very thin. And then with the loss to Tyler Higby, tight end, another great pass catching tight end, again, very thin in Super Bowl 56 after Odell Beckham Jr. goes down. And then there was that that one white receiver, Ben Skowronik or whatever his name is. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to rag on the kid, but every time I would look at him, he was making some mistake or he was dropping the ball or he just wasn't getting open. And it was just very evident that going forward, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup were going to be the ones who needed to win that game. And, you know, that shifted everything too for the MVP. You know, I thought Matthew Stafford was going to be that MVP a hundred percent. He was, he was just um, sharing the rock. Passing to Cooper Cup, passing to Van Jefferson, passing to Odell, Odell Beckham Jr., Cam Akers, all over the place. But then Odell Beckham Jr. goes down, and they have to pass to Cooper Cup every single time. And then, two, he did have that interceptions. You know, I didn't think they were that bad of interceptions. If Van Jefferson just jumps up, and if Ben Skaronic just puts two hands on the ball, runs a little bit better route, I don't know. It might be different. It might be different, you know, and I think if Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't tear his ACL, yeah, I think Matthew Stafford is still that MVP. So with that being said, I wanted to go over our prop bets real quick. And I'll be honest, I didn't tally up the units and stuff like that because we did hit like a plus 600 play. We had a plus 120 play, but let's go over it. Okay. So Rams money line. Yes. Rams minus four. No. One and one. Under 48.5. Yes. Two and one. Stafford under 279.5. Nope. Two and two. Burrow over 275. Nope. Two and three. Mixon over 63.5 rushing yards, yes, 3-3, three and three. over 16.5 carries, no. Was that 4-3? and three? Yeah, 4-3. and three. Cooper Cup under 105.5, yes, 5-3. and three. OBJ over 63.5, no, 5-4. and four. OBJ anytime TD, yes, 6-4. and four. T Higgins over 68.5 rushing yards, yes, 7-4. and four. T Higgins most receiving yards in the Super Bowl. Plus 600, yes, 8-4. and four. McPherson over 7.5, no. McPherson over 50, 50-yard uh, 50 field goal, plus 140, no. Okay, 7-6. and six. Stafford MVP, no, 7-7. Seven seven. Aaron Donald MVP, no, 7-8. Se- Cam Akers first TD plus Joe Mixon TD, no, 
seven and nine. Okay, so seven and nine, but a lot of those plays that we missed was a plus 5,500 play, a plus 1,600 play, a plus 140 play, a plus 100 play, and we hit a plus 600 play. So all in all, I would call that a pretty successful prop day. And personally, I think it would have been far more successful if Odell Beckham Jr. did not go down because you guys got to understand too, when a key player like that goes down, it's, you know, it's just like the NBA. If you are not deep in that position, it is going to affect the entire game. There's going to be a trickle-down effect to the quarterback, to the starting receiver, to the starting tight end, all over the place, starting running back. And one thing that I was kind of surprised about was that Cam Akers was not able to do a damn thing. Like the Bengals really, really shut him down in that rushing attack. So I think that's something the Rams should focus on a little more next year, but Next year, I'm telling you, if all these players come back plus Rob Woods out of the flex, this is once again going to be a very, very dangerous team. And when I was looking at the upcoming season, Buffalo Bills are currently favored to win the Super Bowl at plus 700. And I don't think anyone really takes these bets this early because there's so much that can happen. The draft, free agency, injuries, everything like that. But I just thought that was interesting to see with the Buffalo Bills being plus 700. And, uh, you know, honestly, if I were to put something on anyone right now, I would definitely say the Rams still because I still think they're the most talented team. They're getting a lot of people back. You know, Bob Woods on the addition on the inside, Tyler Higby. There's just a lot. But, again, a lot of things can transpire between then and now. So, for me personally, I put my preseason future bets in around two or three weeks before the season starts. And uh, that's what I did with the Rams when I got them at 16-1. to 1. So, again... Thought it, was a, thought it was a great Super Bowl, a uh, ton of fun to see Matthew Stafford. And some of you guys might have saw me, you know, uh, at a pro sports zone. And I picked up, you know, the Stafford jersey and the Cooper Cup jersey and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong. I love the whole Rams thing or the Matthew Stafford thing, being on the Rams and stuff like that. But like, and I, and I appreciate like the marketing attempts and everything like that from the Detroit Rams and stuff like that. But we're not the Detroit Rams. We are the Detroit Lions. This is not a win for Detroit. This is a win for Matthew Stafford. I am simply happy to see someone who gave everything they could for a city, gave everything they could for a team. I'm simply happy for him as a man to go on and prove people wrong. If there's one thing I like in my life, it is proving people wrong or even somewhat of an under. I don't know if Matthew, I'd consider Matthew Stafford an underdog, but I'm sure he felt like that with how many people in Detroit were like, oh, you're not going to be shit when you go over there. You know, it's just going to be like the Lions, blah, blah, blah. And in reality, it's just like your ex-girlfriend going with a new guy. And maybe that guy in the back of your mind is like, damn, he might be a little better looking than me. Or he might, he might have a better job than me or something like that. And in the back of your mind, you ain't feeling too hot. That's the same exact thing with Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams. We, knew, we saw him get a new girlfriend. We're like, damn, that, that girl looks pretty bad. And she ended up being pretty bad, okay? That's how it goes sometimes. Swallow your salt and just move on and be happy for the man. This is not a win for Detroit, though. There is no such thing as the Detroit Rams. You know, I'm in marketing. I'm in advertising. I totally understand it. I will support local companies and everything like that. I went in and I bought some jerseys. Not Detroit Rams, but yeah, I bought some jerseys. I love wearing jerseys. But again, for me personally, I love it. I love the marketing attempt and stuff like that. But 
we're not the Detroit Rams. This is a win for Matthew Stafford. I love Matthew Stafford as a man. I love what he did for the city. And I think that's how everyone else looks at it as well. This is not a win for the city. This A win for Detroit will be when Detroit makes the playoffs and wins some games or eventually wins the Super Bowl. And, you know, it can happen. We saw a team like Cincinnati get that key piece. And that's what this, this franchise needs, a key piece that can transform things can transform things. You look at Joe Burrow, and this is what drives me nuts because a lot of times in arguments, there is the it factor argument. And then there are people be like, oh, there's no such thing as the it factor. If you haven't experienced the it factor, you don't know the it factor, ha, ha, ha. And dude, what the hell do you call Joe Burrow? What the hell do you call Tom Brady? Like what the hell do you call Michael Jordan or, and those guys? And there is something that is different between these guys and other people that separate them. Okay, not every person is made the same. There are people who when that moment comes, they desire it, they crave it, they want to make the damn play. And then there are, there are people who don't want it. They are scared of it. They want to pass the ball. And that is a difference between an all-time great and someone who is just great. Okay, and I think people need to understand that because that's one argument that always gets me going because I do. I, I very much believe there is an it factor in players today and there's an it factor in the history of players. Even the best of the best have to be separated by certain things. Okay. <sighs> Sorry for my rant. It's just one of those things that drives me nuts a little bit. But again, great. Just a, an awesome NFL season. It was very fun to get on here, talk picks and plays with everyone every single day. You know, I've told you guys before, this is almost like my NFL diary. But with that being said, I am excited to talk some NBA. I'm excited to get into the UFC. There are some great UFC cards like Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Very excited for that one because I just think Colby's going to throttle. Masvidal. I really do. But we're not talking about that today because the All-Star Game is coming up and that is this weekend. And then with the All-Star Game, you also have the Skills Challenge. And I do think there's some pretty nice angles with this Skills Challenge this weekend. And we're going to start with the three-point contest because with the NBA three-point contest, you know, there's a lot of fairly good shooters in this, you know, and starting with Luke Kennard, there's no chance I'll go with Luke Kennard. I just think he's whatever. I'm just not going to do it, you know? And then Patty Mills is plus 500 after that. Fred Van Fleet plus 500. Zach Levine plus 550. Trey Young plus 550. Desmond Bain plus 600. CJ plus 750. Carl Anthony Towns plus 1100. This is a tough one to choose from. It really is because these are all guys who are clumped together. Uh, immediately, honestly, Luke Kennard, Patty Mills, the top two, I'm not going to be going with either. The guy that I'm personally going to be going with is Fred Van Fleet. Fred Van Fleet has been knocking down a ton of three-pointers this season. He is hitting at a high percentage. He is someone, too, who, if I'm looking at these players on here with Luke Kennard, Patty Mills, Fred, Zach Levine, Trey Young, Desmond Bain, CJ, Carl Anthony Towns, who is going to be the most clutch? Who's going to be the most clutch here? Personally, I would say Fred. I would say Zach. I would say Trey Young. Maybe C.J. McCollum. I don't know. It just depends like what kind of flow he's in now that he's with the Pelicans and stuff like that. But my top three would be Fred Van Fleet, Zach Levine, and Trey Young. When I look at Trey Young, Trey Young is more of a flow shooter, in-game shooter, crossover, step back, pull. You know, behind the back, step back, pull. 
I don't know how he's going to be just catch, you know, catch, shoot, catch, shoot, catch, shoot, catch, shoot. Someone more like Fred Van Fleet, I have watched him many times catch and shoot. Uh, Luke Kennard, I've seen him do that many times, even though I'm not going with him. CJ McCollum, McCollum, I've seen him do that many times. So for me, I'm not really going to be looking at Trey Young, even though Trey Young is probably what, like the, one of the top three shooters in that. I think a wild card here is Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain has been lighting it up this season. Desmond Bain does have a nice three-point shot. And I, at plus 600, I do think that's pretty interesting. But for me, I'm just going to be sticking with Fred Van Fleet. I think Fred Van Fleet... He has a confidence. He has a swag. This is his first all-star game. He's in the skills competition. And this is potentially the best season of his career. And it is the best season in terms of three-point shooting. So for me, my choice for that NBA all-star game three-point contest is going to be Fred Van Fleet at plus 500. Moving on next, we're going to go to the dunk contest, okay? And with the dunk contest, a lot of this is really going to come down, in my eyes, to Jalen Green and Obi Toppin. And, I mean, a lot of these guys are high fl- high flower, or high flyers, sorry. Cole Anthony is also in it, and Juan Toscano-Anderson is also in it. Toscano-Anderson, for sure, the biggest question mark, just because he doesn't get a ton of minutes, so you don't get to see it a ton. He can definitely throw down. If you've watched the Warriors, he can definitely, definitely throw it down. But I don't know if he's going to be my choice here because the top two who can really jump out of the gym are Jalen Green and Obi Toppin. With Jalen Green, you guys have heard me talk about how much I love Jalen Green, and he's not making me look amazing right now. Cade Cunningham is definitely looking like the boss here. But um, with that being said, Jalen Green being the favorite at plus one and 25, he's not exactly living up to the hype currently. He's had some games where he just goes flat. Surprisingly to me, I feel like I've seen him succumb to the pressure sometimes. So as a plus 125 favorite in the dunk contest, I think he just might get a little too flashy and blow a dunk at some point, and it could cost him the contest. Someone like Obi Toppin is bigger he can jump just as high. He has bigger hands, so more control over the ball. He's plus 200. So for me, I'm more so going to be looking at Obi Toppin. He's more experienced. He may have even been in a dunk contest before. I can't recall that. But again, I know he's the bigger man. I know he can jump out of the gym. He can do windmills, whatever. I think he is the more secure pick when looking to that of Jalen Green. So for the dunk contest here, I'm going to be going with Obi Toppin at plus 200. Now, let's go to the Celebrity All-Star Game, and this one's going to be very quick, and then we're going to get to the NBA All-Star Game, because with the Celebrity All-Star Game, there are two people that I really see with potential to win the MVP here, and that's with that's Quavo at plus 350, and Quavo's a very good pick. It just depends how aggressive he wants to be, because Quavo has played very competitive, I believe, college basketball in the past, so... He can definitely go out and he can definitely get buckets. But when you're in a celebrity all-star game with some people who aren't very athletic and things like that, it might bring the competition down a little bit. So Quavo might just feel the need to just pass it off, let some other people shoot and stuff like that. So again, it really does depend. And it's just like the regular all-star game. Who is going to assert themselves is who is going to be the most aggressive. You know, when Kevin Hart won it four years in a row, it's just because he wanted it more than anyone else. So does Quavo actually want this? He's definitely the best player on the floor. So that's really what it comes down to. 
Then on top of that, the next one I'm looking at is Miles Garrett at plus 600. Miles Garrett is just enormous. Miles Garrett can dunk. Miles Garrett can get rebounds. I'm sure he can pass. He's just a very, very good athlete. So at plus 600, he might even have better odds than Quavo because who on the court is going to be able to guard someone like Miles Garrett? So again, for me, it's going to be those two with the best odds. Quavo plus 350, Miles Garrett plus 100. And from there, the next closest is a plus 1,200 favorite, and I don't even know who that individual is. So again, these are going to be my top two for the Celebrity All-Star Game. Quavo plus 350, Miles Garrett plus 600. And moving on to the All-Star Game MVP, okay? And I got three options for you, and we're going to start with the first one. And we're going to start the first one, and this is LeBron James at plus 600, and he is the favorite heading into this All-Star game, and for correct reason. And here's one thing. If there's one thing that I'm definitely known for throughout my friends, maybe on Twitter, um, even the listeners, I am one of the biggest LeBron James haters in the world today, and I'm not going to get into this now, but I have a lot of good reasons. LeBron James, I just think he's always done it the wrong way in terms of a professional top-level athlete who people look at, who is supposed to be a sports icon growing up. I've, never, I've just never enjoyed it. I don't think you should be able to hop from team to team like you can because in the real world, High schoolers can't just hop from team to team. If you grow up in Livonia, I just can't go play for like for Plymouth football or something like that. So I've just never enjoyed that. I think that's a bad example to set for, for high schoolers to think for college kids. I mean, college kids now, they go to a school and they have one year. If they don't start that year, they transfer. I think that's a terrible example. I think that's an, honestly a terrible example. But again, I'm, I'm not going to get into it right now. But with that being said, LeBron James plus 600, okay? I have always said that I feel like I know LeBron James better than he knows himself because he is truly the most narcissistic human being on the face of the earth and for sure the history of the NBA, okay? And the reason I say that is because in this game or in this season, I should say as well, the LA Lakers have played absolutely brutal, okay? And if you guys can recall before the season, LeBron was sitting there saying, keep that same energy, keep that same energy about me, Russ, and AD, the old boys, just promise me you'll keep it. Okay, so LeBron knows that. LeBron knows that. And if there's anything in this world that LeBron enjoys, he loves a good excuse. He loves, he loves an out. So what I'm thinking is going to happen here, LeBron James is really going to assert himself in this All-Star game. If it's close, they'll give it to LeBron as well. But he's really going to assert himself in this All-Star game because here's what happens. LeBron James kills the All-Star game. He wins the MVP. He puts on a show. So then people look at the LA Lakers and they're like, okay, this isn't LeBron James' fault. This is the fault of Russell Westbrook, even though LeBron was the one who vouched for Russell Westbrook and brought him in. This is Anthony Davis's fault, even though... LeBron James did everything possible to get Anthony Davis to the LA Lakers. You know, we know he's injury prone and we know what Anthony Davis can be when he's fully healthy. But once again, it's giving him an out. And that's exactly what I think he's doing here. He wants to get this MVP because again, the Lakers are playing terrible. They're tanking. So if LeBron James goes and puts out 30, 10 and something, you know, they're like, wow. They're like, I, I know the Lakers are playing terrible, but man, at least LeBron is just killing it. And then you know what comes from there. The narrative. ESPN will back it up. Sports Center will back it up. NBA will back it up. It's insane. Like I took years and years off of Twitter and came back once the sports um once I started doing more sports talks and getting into the sports gambling industry, I guess you could say. But I see LeBron James on Twitter more than I do my dog. 
It is insane the narrative that ESPN, SportsCenter, the NBA is trying to push with one of their star athletes. And I think a lot of people do realize it today and what's going on. You, you click on it and you go through the thread and you see all the comments like, my God, I see this guy a lot. And I understand it's marketing, it's advertising. They're trying to get their money. They're trying to get their dollars. They're trying to get people talking about it. But it gets old. It gets old. And when you look at something like this and it's a plus 600 and it might be between LeBron and Giannis or LeBron and John Morant, who's my number two at plus 900, or LeBron and DeMar DeRozan, who's my number three at plus 2,500, they're going to give it to LeBron because they want to recycle that content. They want to post it on ESPN. They want to post it on SportsCenter. Okay. I mean, how many times have you seen LeBron commercial on YouTube with where he's talking like what? There's nothing more fitting than LeBron talking to young LeBron and congratulating him or talking to him about the world. It's just ridiculous. But, but, how often have you seen that already? An absurd amount. So that's all I'm saying is, and you've heard me talk about this stuff before with narrative and stuff like that, and with the Super Bowl, the narrative kind of changed right when OBJ went down. But with this one, you know, they don't play. They play like incredibly unphysical. They give you the lane. And they let you shoot. So, yeah, I like this LeBron plus 600. But the other two that I do like as well are the Ja Morant plus 900. Just think Ja is playing an incredible season. He can do a little bit of everything. He can fill up that stat sheet. And then, of course, DeMar DeRozan, because he is playing absolutely lights out, is honestly having an MVP level season, has had like five or six 35-point games in a row without even three-pointers. So, I mean, shout out DeMar DeRozan. I'd love to see DeMar DeRozan get in. I'd love to see him come in and steal this MVP. So, I think that's a really nice one, too, at plus 2,500. He definitely could have that extra edge, uh, that extra influence to try and go and get that, okay? So, with that being said, those are going to be the bets for the All-Star Game coming up this Sunday and the All-Star Game Skills Competition plus Celebrity Game coming up this Saturday. And with that being said, let me go over those one last time. Okay, and for the All-Star Game MVP, I have LeBron James plus 600, John Morant plus 900, and DeMar DeRozan plus 2,500. From there, going to the three-point contest, my number one choice is Fred Van Fleet at plus 500, but I personally think the biggest wild card could potentially be Desmond Bain plus 600. Um, from there, dunk contest winner, Obi Toppin plus 200, Celebrity All-Star Game MVP, Quavo plus 350, and Miles Garrett plus 600, Okay. So those are all of the picks and plays for coming up this weekend. And again, guys, looking forward to getting into some new content, talking a little more about the UFC, talking a lot more about the NBA, you know, and just almost uh, sports current events as well. So just because we're not going to have so many consistent plays that we can look to outside of the USC, UFC, I'm sorry, but I will always do my very best to give you guys as many picks and plays as possible and please also if you are into prize picks dfs okay remember uh promo code dsb is 100 percent money match up to 100 dollars. and every single wednesday i'm going to be putting out prize picks videos on youtube and it's just going to be for the upcoming slate that wednesday the first day i believe i went four one and one or something like that so again there were a lot of options to choose from we had a pretty successful day i'm trying to make the videos quick 
five to 10 minutes, you grab it, you get your plays in and you're on your way. All right. So keep an eye out for that. I'm going to really, really try and start hammering out the content now that the NFL is done. So again, guys, as always, I appreciate every single listener. I appreciate everyone's support. Uh, my picks and plays are always on Twitter as well at Conanis picks. All right. Give me a follow there. If you would like to get picks and plays every single day, but other than that, Best of luck this weekend in the NBA Skills Challenge and best of luck this weekend in uh, the NBA All-Star Game. All right. I am Matt Koalas from Detroit Sports Betters and I am out. Have a good one, y'all.